morning, good morning, good morning. I hope everybody's having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Boss Channel, where black men lead the conversation. And today we um, are here to talk about a guy by the name of Neon Dion. Uh, Dion Sanders is the head coach at Jackson State University. According to many reports, Deion Sanders is not going to be the coach of Jackson uh, in a few days. And uh, a lot of people are surprised by it. Some people aren't. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, one guy who's been on top of the uh, the whole Dion topic, the whole HBCU football, basketball topic, all this stuff, HB Sports in per- uh, period, is uh, Mr. Jeff Lightsey Jr. from the Black Boss Channel. How are you doing today, Jeff? Hey, I'm good, Dr. Boyce. I'm good. Uh, everybody else, not so much, but I'm good. But it's just, today's going to be interesting, to say the least. Mm. <laughs> to say the least. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So as I come, as, as you come in, I want to, this is a good topic. This is an interesting thing to discuss. And so as you come in, I want to make sure I just uh, pay proper respect to the people who support the platform uh, and shout out the city you're from. Let us know what city you're from and hit that thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Everybody hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe. Also hit the notification bell. I want to say hello to Julia, uh, Mrs. L. Bernard, uh, Kivius. Romel Harris out of Chicago, CJ, good morning, Yoshika, good morning to you, uh, Pahokee, Pahokee Sports, Noah Escort, uh, D2DA, Alicia Vaca, everybody, I want to say hi uh, and good morning to you. So let's jump into this, man. So you've been following like HBCU sports, unlike anybody else, like you, you're kind of the guy in that area. Um, what's going on right now? Why is everybody tripping and going crazy over, over Dion right now? So it looks as if. Uh, ESPN, one of the top college football reporters, Pete Thamel, came out and said uh, Deion Sanders is going to not only accept the Colorado job after the SWAC championship game, but he's actually actively recruiting for Colorado and putting together a staff that will whether it's guys from Jackson State and guys that are at other schools uh, to go to Colorado with him. Uh, this is a big deal because uh, – Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as he's known down here, and I'm actually here in Jackson, Mississippi right now, going to the SWAC championship game where they still have a game left against Southern later today. And he has led a renaissance of not just HBC, not just the Jackson State, not just of HBCU sports, but you can't put a dollar value on the four letters HBCU since Deion Sanders stepped into the fray, since he kind of became the head coach of Jackson State. And because of that, uh, it, it's been it's been amazing, not just, like I said, for Jackson, the city, the state of Mississippi, the SWAC, which is the conference that JSU plays in, but black people. You know, you feel like a new sense of pride, especially black sports fans, about ourselves and playing for ourselves and now you're you're getting these people to think like businessmen and businesswomen like how they do at Alabama and Ohio State right like he brought that mind frame to this space and maybe that wasn't something they thought was possible and then you add the fact that he brought the mind frame he brought the winning he brought the swag and then he started bringing the players right when you flip the number one player in the country and get him to come to an HBCU and several other four and five star high level athletes considering and choosing HBCUs whether it's out of high school or through the transfer portal that's that had never been that had never happened before like that that just simply quite frankly had never happened before at this level of football meaning the FCS level and so 
uh, it, it's it's crazy because the rumors have been circulating for about a week, right? When you have success and the level of success that he's had in the last two years at Jackson State, they've won 22 games uh, and counting, and this year they're currently 11 and 0 and undefeated. And folks at the bigger ranking rankings of college football, the F- FBS level, the Power Five, they see that. Right. So if you're at Colorado, which is looks like where he's going to go and you think, damn, if he can get people to come to Jackson, Mississippi or go play for Jackson State, high level athletes. Why can't he come do that at Colorado? Why can't he do that at our school? And we can back him up with a whole lot more resources and a lot more money, not just for him, but for his assistants and for his staff. For example, this is how big the pay gap is, Dr. Boyce. Coach Prime Deion Sanders signed a four-year, $1.2 million contract here at Jackson State. So that roughly pays him about $300,000 per year, right? The reports are coming out saying that Colorado was going to sign him to a multi-year deal that pays him, listen to this, him alone, $5 million per year and have incentives that can raise that $5 million salary up to $7 million. So I'm not a – you're a math person. I'm not. But that's a million time percentage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's like that, – like that, that, That's, a, that's a, whole lot of, a whole lot of green, a whole lot of bread. Exactly, exactly. And one thing that, that Prime has always talked about since he's been here, he never made no bones about not entertaining offers at different schools. Right? He's always said that. He said, I'd be a fool if I didn't entertain the offers. But the biggest thing for him was that – you know, Dion was getting $60, $70 million contracts in the 90s, right? So he's not new to money. He's been rich and famous since he was 21 years old. He's in his mid-50s now. So he's, he's, he's had money for a long time. Money, fame, spotlight, all of that stuff, notoriety, all of that. But his assistants aren't, aren't Deion Sanders. His assistants don't make the money he makes off the field as far as endorsements and things like that. So he always wanted to get his assistant coaches paid. And quite frankly, Colorado just has resources that Jackson State can't match to not only pay Dion, but to also pay his assistant coaches. Well, uh, everybody, in case you just came in, I'm talking to Jeff Lancey Jr. from the Black Boss Channel. And we are discussing uh, Dion Sanders leaving, um, allegedly, according to ESPN, they are reporting that he's going to be leaving Jackson State. And right after the SWAT championship, he's on his way out. Uh, of Jackson, he's actually headed to Colorado, um, and uh, or allegedly, that's is what that's what ESPN is saying. There could be uh, some variations to the story, uh, and so we'll kind of keep you posted. Um, and uh, everybody, as you come in, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe, and uh, and just a reminder as we get started, as we before we even jump into this, uh, don't forget that tomorrow, uh, my wife and I, uh, who's a therapist, we're actually starting a, a Love and Money Masterclass. Uh, basically, if you want to understand how your money can enhance your relationships and your relationships can enhance your money, uh, whether it's your relationships with your kids or your parents or your friends or your mate, uh, then join us for this class. We're going to do a deep dive in this over a four week period. If you'd like to join us, just go to boycewalkins.com and you can take a look. We get started tomorrow. You have lifetime access to all the materials. So feel free to join us for that class. So let's let's hop into this, man. So um, so let's let's just I, the first thing I want to ask you about or get your thoughts on is. Uh, there was that whole spat with him and Eddie Robinson Jr. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know as much about HBCU football as you do. I mean, you know, you, you're, you're the, you're the man in that area. You've been digging into that stuff. 
But uh, I remember when he got that thing with Eddie Robinson Jr. And Eddie Robinson Jr. stepped out and said, you ain't swag. You know, and, and here's how I interpreted that. I I obviously, you know, I kind of like, I said, oh, there's a little bit of hating going on. You know, De- Deion's kind of, he's a guy that's always had the spotlight. You know, I've been following him since since I was a damn near a kid. You know, uh, since I was a kid, you know, and, uh, and he's always had the spotlight. And so that's going to draw some jealousy and everything. But at the same time, I interpreted Eddie Robinson's statement uh, that you ain't swack to me. Like, you're just a visitor, dude. You're not really in it. For, for real, you're not really in it for the community. You're in it because you can't get white people to hire you right now. And you're going to, this is a stopping point for you. The HBCUs are kind of your, you know, the HBCU is kind of your side chick until you get the woman you actually want to marry. Uh, how much merit would that be? I mean, if you're Eddie Robinson Jr., is he sitting back saying, see, I told y'all he ain't swag. You know, and D.I. came out with the, the, the shirt, you know, saying I'm who's swag and all that. And he's a winner for sure. But uh, is he swag now? I mean, can, would I, would somebody step back and say, "Well, you ain't really swag. You ain't really down for this. You you were just here long enough, uh, you know, to to get the opportunity to work next to white folks with all the big money, and and that's and, and if they if they had offered you that job in the beginning, you never would have stopped in the first place. Is there any merit to that comment? There's val- there's validity to that, and a lot of J- JSU fans are now feeling that way. That's why, I, you know, I did a lot of on this and I said, hey, if you're angry, you're rightful to be angry because here's the thing. There's everything that you said and, and I'm going to get to your comments too, but there's also what Prime said when he first got there. When he first got to JSU, he said he was called by God to be at Jackson State, meaning he, he said he had a call from God and it was collect, meaning he had to pay for it. Right. So like he uses all these analogies and this religious analogies. And, you know, people that are very religious, they're serious about their religion. And especially you at black. So wait, I got, I'm, I'm, OK, go. I, I'm cutting you. So did, is God calling him to go to Colorado now? That's the thing. So it's like, go, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, but, this, but that's that's why there's so much anger, because people have especially the JSU fans. And that's why I applaud them. They have been they have been taken up for Deion Sanders because people obviously always the larger public. The, there's way more public people than there are JSU fans. And the lar- the public at large always knew whether it's the Eddie Robinsons or whoever always knew or always felt like you really didn't know until it happens. But you had a pretty good inkling that he was going to leave and going to leave fairly soon, meaning he's not going to put in five years at JSU or 10 years or whatever, whereas a guy like Eddie Robinson could very much well be at his university for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Like, he might not ever leave uh, Alabama State. And he also was an alumni of Alabama State. So he went there as a player, made it to the NFL out of Alabama State. Second-round pick, made millions of dollars out of Alabama State. So that's why Eddie Robinson felt so offended. Like, yo, first of all, Deion Sanders disrespecting me, disrespecting my team. And at the end of the day, he ain't even swack is what Eddie was saying. Now, Prime flipped it and, you know, being the marketing genius that he is, was able to make, you know, make it a funny thing. And and they made songs and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. But there is now validity because in the back of Eddie Robinson, he didn't say this because it was at the time it was still an adversary, a coach in your conference, and you're still trying to big up HBCU. So you're not trying to put them down. But in the heat of the moment, when he was mad, he told you how he felt, meaning – like you said, this guy's a visitor in our space. 
Like we, at the end of the day, he's going to leave and he's going to leave fairly soon. Whereas me, I will always be an alumni of Alabama State. And me, I ain't looking to go nowhere outside of Alabama State. I'm looking to build up my program for real and not just in two years. But at the same time, if you're someone who supports Deion Sanders, you can flip it and say, yeah, he was a visitor. But what he was able to do in those two years have probably been the most impactful two years in the history of HBCU sports. Like in the history of HBCUs, period. Not just, we can't just limit it to sports because across the country, we've seen HBCUs have record enrollment across the country. And if you don't think that has something to directly tie to the marketing that's been brought to you for the fact that Deion Sanders is a head coach at HBCUs, you'd be fooling yourself. You'd be lying to yourself. So you can say, hey, yeah, but my name is still etched in the record books, meaning I won, uh, I did things at Jackson State and won games at Jackson State in this conference that hadn't been done in a very long time, meaning going undefeated, winning championships, back-to-back coaches of the year, players of the year, all that stuff on my team just in two short years. And what I was able to do at JSU, even if I only did it in two years, it only took me two years. It could have took you 200 years and you wouldn't have did what I did in two. Like that, that's what he could say, right? So like there's a there's this two sides to the story, but that doesn't mean that people are, even though that's true on the Dion part, that doesn't mean that they still don't feel hurt. And like you said, you said God, God called you to be here and you weren't going to, and your whole purpose was to level the playing field. Well, the playing field's not level. And did God, God give you that same call to go to Colorado like you said? It's 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 a yeah, bunch of different God, ways to look God, at it. God, God ain't called him for none of that. He, 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 the money called him. Like, De- Dion had that song. Everybody remember that song? Give me a yes in the chat if you remember when Dion made that song. Must be the money. That's ter- remember that must be the money. God, God, ain't, God ain't called nothing. That, 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 those dollar bills was talking to you, bro. I mean, seriously, let's just be honest. I mean, it was, I mean, if Colorado has said, we're going to offer you a 10% raise over what you're making at Jackson State, would you come to Colorado? Not Don't enough. nobody want to go to no damn Colorado. Colorado sucks. <laughs> they suck. They are a terrible football team. And, and I'm not saying he can't make Colorado into a, a, a superpower. Maybe he can. Maybe he can pull it off. Colorado's had some great teams in the past they i think they had a heisman trophy went out of colorado from yeah in the 80s and 90s this is 2022 (laughs) like this is different the colorado team that he's joining is one in 11 right the colorado that he's joining is is a is a is a bad job i mean it's just let's call it what it is it's a bad job in a dying conference right the pac-12 is losing usc losing ucla could potentially be losing washington and oregon right like it's a conference that's dying and so the fact that he took the job lets you know it has a lot to do with the money. But like, because that's the thing. It'd be different if he left JSU for Ohio State. When nobody said a damn thing if he left JSU for Ohio State, right? Or left JSU for Georgia, or left JSU for even even a lower tier uh, SEC school like in Arkansas, because it's at least it's a decent job. It's a good job in a in a really tough conference, but it's like it makes sense, right? Colorado is all the way out in the West Coast in a state that doesn't, if we're just talking football schematics, they don't have a lot of players in Colorado. You have to try to go pull them from California and try to pull them from Texas, which can be tough in a conference that's dying at a place that hasn't been relevant since the early 90s. 
right? Like all of those things like play into the factor just in the football grand scheme of things. But like you said, man, that, that money, that money talks. I mean, that money, like to get a jump from 300,000 to 5 million or potentially 7 million, or to get a jump for your assistant coaches pool to be in a million or 2 million for all your assistant coaches to the pool now being probably about, you know, 10 or 12 or 15. It's a big, it's a big difference. Um, and, and, and the question goes into, I talked about some of this last night was, you know, did, did Jackson State do enough to keep Prime, right? Mm. Meaning, meaning like, because Prime has made such an economic impact at Jackson, the city. Now, Doc, I don't know if you've ever been to Jackson. This is my first time here. Yeah, I, 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 I know Jackson pretty well. I, I, had, I actually had a long-term relationship with a lady from Jackson. Jackson's a beautiful city with amazing people, but you are right. I think they also, in fact, right now are in the middle of a water crisis. Yeah. Where they had that muddy looking chocolate fudge coming out of the out of the sink that was supposed to be their water. I mean, you know, my heart goes out to Jackson. A good city with good people, but they clearly don't have the resources they deserve to have. Exactly. And and so it he has, like I said, last year, the economic impact of Deion Sanders, they came out with a report and said he it was the biggest boost as far as money impact to the city in like a very long time just $30 million economic impact to the city of Jackson. I think they were just talking about Jackson itself. I don't even know if they were talking about the surrounding cities like Pearl and different things like that. And this year it'll it'll go up, I'd imagine, because they did even better and they won even more and it was just even crazier. And so now you're losing that. And that's unfortunate because it's not to say that the next coach won't be a great guy and a great coach, right? And a guy that's more – the stability is there more, right? Like you're not sitting on pins and needles wondering if he's going to leave every year. But he also doesn't mean that he's going to make that economic impact that having a Deion Sanders, bringing a college game day, uh, getting a number one player in the country does for your city and for the black people that live here. That's also a thing that, that plays into a factor. It's just, it's going to be very interesting because like I said, I'm going to the tailgate, I'm going to the game and stuff later. And I'm, I'm interested to see how the mood is going to be right are the people going to be somber and sad because they know that they're losing the coach or are they going to be appreciative and turning up and partying because hey if we're going to go out let's go out with a bang let's get a win let's have a fun time while we're doing it and let's reminisce on the fact that he did something here at jackson state for hbcus that a lot of people didn't think would ever happen right he was able to do in the two short years and not only did he do it he did it right here in Jackson, Mississippi, in a place that probably needed it really, really bad. And it has been awesome for two years. Now, granted, it was just two years, but it was the two best years maybe possibly in the history of HBC football. Okay, well, everybody, I wanted to let you guys know, uh, I'm here with Jeff Lysey Jr. from the Black Boss Channel, and we're having a really fun conversation uh, about Deion Sanders, uh, allegedly, according to ESPN, planning to leave uh, and bounce out uh, and go to Colorado. And uh, so uh, as we have this conversation, I'd like to ask everybody, if you could, please hit the thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. If you have not done that yet, make sure you hit the notification bell. The notification bell is very important because uh, some sometimes when you're black on the internet, you get shadow banned. But if you hit the notification bell, you'll be notified when we go live. So uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up, uh, subscribe, notification bell, and put a B1 in the chat. Because uh, here we're black first. Uh, this is a platform for intelligent black people. And also, I'd like to invite you to uh, subscribe to the blackbosschannel.com. 
the blackbosschannel.com is a platform that we created where black men uh, do all the talking. And this is a space where uh, black men get to be heard. And so uh, if you agree with uh, that idea that black men should be heard, then I hope that you will subscribe to that platform. The URL is right there on the screen. All right, so let's let's let me let's let me just kind of give you give you an assessment on this, man. I I hear you, right? What you're saying makes perfect sense. Dion did not have to go to Jackson State. Dion, you know, could have did a lot of other things. He probably couldn't have taught at a big white university because I, I think that he would have taken that job if, for the same money uh, at the you know same level. I, I think that he would have skipped over the HBCU path. Uh, I, I I get a sense, you know, and and this is me as a you know as as a college professor where. Uh, I remember, <clears throat> you know, when I was interviewing at HBCUs, I was trying my best to teach at HBCU. And I and I did an interview at Kentucky State University, actually. And I was willing to take a pay cut because <clears throat> HBCUs ain't got no money. Uh, I was making 115000 at Syracuse University. HBCUs were literally offering me like 40000 or not even offering. <clears throat> we were talking about like 40000 or whatever. And uh, and it, it, I guess it just it just didn't it just couldn't work out. But. Uh, I remember talking to a um, when actually I wasn't interviewing at K State. I was actually speaking there, and I talked to this guy from Europe. There was a, a white guy who was Italian, and I remember <clears throat> he talked about the uh, HBCU students. He talked about the black students, almost like they were just garbage, you yeah. know. And I think he felt comfortable talking to me like that because uh, because I was a fellow PhD, and he thought that maybe he was safe sharing these ideas with me. But I was deeply offended, and I remember this guy was really speaking about the black students like they were nothing. And I remember thinking, you know, I would actually take a massive pay cut to have a chance to talk to these kids because talking to black people is more important to me than anything else. But for this guy, he saw the HBCUs and a lot of, there are a lot of foreign professors that do this. They, they see the HBCUs as a place where they just go and just, you know, get a job, any job they can get uh, because they can't get a job somewhere else. And as soon as they get a better job, they're out. Um, now in my path, you know, I, I I remember trying to get break into Howard and I had the credentials and everything, but I was a little too radical. You know, I've always been extremely pro-black. That's very uncomfortable for a lot of HBCUs, to be honest. And, and so at Howard, I was interviewed by this Chinese man. There was a Chinese man literally running the finance department at Howard, which I thought was laughable. I I, I bet you anything, you, you can never go to China. You will never go to China and find a Chinese finance department being run by an African-American. You won't find it. They won't allow it. Only we are dumb enough to let somebody from another country run uh, what, you know, a department in one of our HBCUs, but but that's neither here nor there. And uh, and I remember I, I couldn't get past, I couldn't convince the Chinese man that I was uh, that I was worthy enough to teach young black men and women, right? So instead of trying to go and, and get a job at an HBCU, because I was willing to take a pay cut, I didn't care about the money. I was like, oh, I'll just hustle. I'll go find a way to make extra money. Uh, so instead of actually attending an HBCU or teaching an HBCU, I said, you know, I'm gonna go create one. We created the Black Business School, we have 152,000 students around the world. We have educated millions and millions and millions and millions of black people on how to invest. Uh, give me a yes in the chat if you are smarter financially because you've been hanging out with us. I want to <clears throat> I have to throw that in there for anybody who says, well, you didn't want to teach at an HBCU. What's wrong? No, no, I did try. HBCUs are a bureaucratic nightmare sometimes. HBCUs don't do everything right. Some of the HBCUs, wonderful places, wonderful people, but there's some issues there, right? Uh, they, there's so much more potential. And I, and what I love about Dion going to um, Jackson State is I like the fact that he kind of pushed them to do better. He elevated yeah. the game a little bit. You know, he said, yeah. hey, you compete in this game. And I like that because to me, that fits the essence 
of what Dion represented. Dion, he's always been prime time. He's always been next level. He's that guy that's <clears throat> he's not a loser. You know, and HBCUs unfortunately, you know, get that get that um unfair image of kind of just being the losers. Like, okay, we think about this. It's crazy to me that the black schools get the worst black athletes. Like that don't make sense. You a black school and you get the worst black athlete. Like, like, is there a Jewish synagogue that's like, well, we don't get the best Jews. We get the the third rate Jews. <laughs> the best Jews are hanging over with the Asians and the Arabs. Like, that don't even make no sense. That's weird, right? That's weird. That's some old slave stuff. But here's the thing, right? When I think about Dion going to Colorado, um, he better first of all he better do well in Colorado because <clears throat> if he don't, people gonna clown the hell out of him. And that's a tall hill to climb. You know, it, you know what it makes me think about? It's almost like like HBCUs, like just, just the beauty of, <clears throat> of black people and the swag that we bring. You know, we got swag in the swag. Like black people just, we're so special. Like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like, we just, we validate everything. And, and you know, I remember talking to the leadership at the Air Jordan brand, and a, a lot they actually kind of insinuated and admitted that they they kind of follow what black people do in terms of how they design the sneakers and the whole world wants to buy them because black people validate that. Like we give the rubber stamp of approval. We, we give you that thing money can't buy. Like, no. So we're kind of the prime time of the world in the sense that we also have a specialness. And indeed, in fact, I dare to say even Dion's specialness comes from the, partly from the fact that he's a black man. If he were a white guy with, with all that swag. What are you be saying? So, so my thought is like this, right? When I think about Dion leaving the beauty of the SWAC and Jackson State and everything else and going to a place like Colorado, you know, um, all they got is money. They they don't got no uh they, they don't have no they they, they 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 don't have good players. Um the program is 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 in the dirt. Um now you're competing at a different level, you're competing against schools that have resources and talent <laughs> you ain't got that now maybe you can get talent maybe in two three years you can recruit the team that you want and you, it's a possibility but it almost makes me think about like a guy who's dating like this this beautiful black woman in the hood and he he says hey i know you thought i was gonna marry you but that's never what it was i never proposed to you because i really didn't want to marry you i'm gonna go marry this rich ugly fat white woman in the suburbs like that's the that's the one I really wanted to marry. I wanted to marry the rich, fat, ugly white woman in the suburbs. And I know you're you're gorgeous, but 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 you just you live in the hood. You know, I don't want to be in the hood with you. Right? Like being in the hood is is hard and there's no money. I want to go be next to Big Becky out in the suburbs because Big Becky has a big bank account and she's gonna take good care of me. She's gonna buy me a house in a Bentley, you know. But just seriously, what, what's wrong with what why is that analogy wrong? Why do I think about this? Process it this way. If you took away the money, would anybody in this chat, give me a yes or no in the chat. Everybody give me a yes or no. With Colorado being 1 and 11, if you take away the money, would anybody in this chat choose to coach at Colorado over Jackson State? Who who in the chat? Give me a yes or no. Is there anybody in this chat that would choose Colorado over Jackson State if you take away the money? So this is this is what I'm what I'm getting at. Like, cause you know I'm a money guy. I think about the money. I see the money. Yo, all these white folks really got is money. That's it. That's it. They ain't got what we got. They ain't got the the, the, the melanated power that we have. They don't have. You know, they like he ain't gonna have the same experience at at Colorado that mm -mm. he get at Jackson State. Mm -mm. And, and, and 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 so and so so like there's nobody in the right mind that would take that job if you take the money away. So again, I compare it to like 
I'm I'm dating the most beautiful. I'm dating Shaniqua, the, the the finest girl in the hood. She got all them curves, and and she's she got those thick, sexy lips, and she loves the hell out of me. But unfortunately, she lives in a neighborhood where maybe somebody gets shot, you know, once every couple of weeks, or you know, or the, or we're struggling to get the groceries or whatever. So I tell her, hey, I'm gonna go date. I met a fat white, rich white lady in in the suburbs. I'm gonna go date her. You know, I, I so so, and I know people think that I'm, that I'm hating, and I and I, I, it sounds like I am, and I, I, I acknowledge that. But here's the thing, right? This is my, the point I want to ask, and I'll, I'll let you take over from here, Jeff. At what point does it become about more than just the money? Mm. I get it. You know, people are like, yeah, well, of course, five million dollars versus three hundred thousand. Who would do it? I mean, at what point do you just say, you know, yeah, the money's good. Yeah, you know, like like I could, like for example. Um, I, I, I run the black business school. Do you, do you know how much more money I can make if I did what many of my students did? And I went to wall street instead, you know, some, I have former students that make, you know, a half million dollars a day. You know, you know, I mean, at what point do we just, do we stop just saying, well, it's, it's the money, man. It's the money, you know, and, and it really, if anybody was able to overlook the money, it should be a person like a Deion Sanders, who already has the money. If you got the money, then the money can't be the only motive. Right? Well, you know, I get it. If you broke and you struggle and you ain't never had a nickel in your life, that makes sense. But when you have this legendary career, when you've allegedly made hundreds of millions, a hundred million dollars or more, it makes me wonder what's his financial situation? Like, does he have other investments and assets? You know, because I tell you what, if, if when I'm teaching black people, the money really isn't the number one driver, because, you know, I already have some wealth and I'm okay with the money I have. You can't really buy me like you can't. I'm in this seat. You can't buy me out of this seat. Harvard University couldn't buy me out of this seat. So what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, it's that's it, it, how a lot of people are feeling. So so it, it, you add the fact that the money there's the money thing and then there's the, the thing that there's the perspective that people say that he used Jackson State. Like, he got a lot out of being... Because the thing is, Deion Sanders got a lot. Like, we know... And I've talked about the impact he's made on HBCUs, the swag, Jackson, and Jackson State itself. But Prime got a lot out of being here at Jackson State, too. Like, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like, he got a whole lot out of being the head coach. Now, maybe all of it maybe wasn't monetarily, but as you see that... He's able to level up, well, in his mind, level up and go to Colorado and go from 300000 to $5 million. But also this, like, here's the thing. Deion Sanders says he has a son named Shador, and Shador is a good quarterback. And prime coach Shador since he was like eight years old. It's almost like having a son that's a prodigy. He felt like Shador was like the prodigy son. And so he coached him from youth league all through high school. And as Shador was gearing to graduate from high school, that's when Prime said, I want to get into the college game and to coach my son in college. And so he entered, he, he tried to get with Florida State. They didn't want him. Then he had a really, really good interview at Arkansas when Arkansas had an opening. And I think they interviewed him twice, I want to say. And he did really, really good. They thought he might have a chance to get in the job. Really felt, thought like the job was his. But at the end of the day, they, they went a different direction. They chose a man named Sam Pittman who had been coaching in college. He was an assistant at, uh, at Georgia. So they went with him. And so then that's when Ashley Robinson, the athletic director at, at uh, Jackson State, found out that Prime didn't get the Arkansas job, but that he was looking to get into college coaching. 
And then that's when the, the information got exchanged and boom, he's the head coach of Jackson State. And so folks will say, well, and then obviously what happened? His prodigy son, Shador, comes to Jackson State and becomes that prodigy. Like one of the best players in the school history at the end of the day. Has records and all kinds of stuff in just two short years. And so people will say, well, he used Jackson State because, like you said, Florida State, no job. Arkansas, no job. And even if he would have gotten those jobs, he would have been more like a traditional coach at jobs like those. What I mean by that, meaning he wouldn't have been out posting videos every single day, dancing with the rap music, with a bunch of black people in the background partying with them. You know why? Because they don't have the black people at those places. Yeah, you go to Arkansas, <laughs> it might be 50, 60, 70,000 people. Like, yeah, you have the black athletes, but you don't have the black aura. You don't have the black culture. You're not surrounded by black people each and every single day like he is here in Jackson, Mississippi, whether he's going to the grocery store, whether he's walking around campus, whether he's at the game. Like at the game today, there will be 60,000 brothers and sisters like mean and melanated folks in the stand. It's not going to be like that at Boulder, Colorado. It wouldn't have been like that at Florida State or at Arkansas. So that is why Jackson State gave like it, it, it like it was like a glove. Because Dion, his whole career and his whole like public life has been like the ultimate black experience as an athlete. And then he goes to a black school that gives him the ultimate black experience as a coach. But also what it did was it allowed him to audition and say, hey, I can give you the black experience as a coach because even black coaches don't give you the black experience as a coach at these big white schools. And so he was able to audition and Uh-oh, everybody. It looks like uh, Jeff has frozen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and um, um, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to remove Jeff uh, from the chat. When he comes back, I'll bring him back in. Um, but I, I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Um, you know, it. I mean, do you, do you feel like this was inevitable that he was going to leave? Or did you think that Deion Sanders was gonna actually going to stay and make a career, a long-term career out of Jackson State? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I think um, in a way, it just, it, you know, it's it's not to say that, that anybody can blame him for doing what he's doing. But, you know, when you say it's all about the money, it, it just, you know, it's <clears throat> then that that makes the, that that kind of steals some of the uniqueness of what he's done as a football coach. Uh, because we've been having Negroes leave for the suburbs since the beginning of time. We've always had black people that said, I want to get out of the black community as soon as I can. I'll make do with what I have until white folks decide that they want me. And usually when white folks grab you, they pull you in with the money. And that, that creates um, community-wide a Deion Sanders effect where you have a brain drain and a talent drain from your community. And, and so I'm not I'm not attacking Deion for his choice. I mean, you can believe what you want to believe. It's totally okay to disagree with me. But what I will say, though, is, you know, everybody, a lot of y'all have gone through this. A lot of us have. How many times have you had, you know, an opportunity that involved black people that paid this much and an opportunity that involved white people that paid that much? There's nothing unique about this. This is exactly what millions of black people have done for a very long time. And what it does is it creates a brain and talent drain from your community. Uh, you know, whatever special secret sauce Dion had as a coach and as a human being, it's now going to be Colorado's secret sauce. <clears throat> they can say that, you know, 
we we got the swag now. You know, we have the prime time now. They're going to run ad campaigns around prime time. They're going to make millions of dollars from people, in, you know, that, that that like that type of stuff. You know, and remember, you know, for most of his career, Dion uh, was in those spaces. You know, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, for God's sake. That's, you know, a team that's run that's run by a racist, Jerry Jones. Y'all saw that picture, Jerry. You know, where he was, <laughs> he was in that that um that picture where they were bullying the black kids, you know, to keep them from coming to the the, the school. So, um, <clears throat> so ultimately, Dion's always operated kind of in that space, and I think that uh, so white folks like the swag, just like black people do. Uh, and I I really want to encourage you to kind of process things like this without going to the obvious. The obvious is, well, it's more money. Like anybody would go for more money. Um, I dare to challenge that. And I dare you to also go a little deeper and say, why is it that we always make the assumption that black people are always going to go for the money, even if it means uh, leaving a space where you're safe to go to a space where you're not safe or leaving a space where you are recognized versus a space you know, and, and, and respected versus a space where maybe you might be disrespected, you know, leaving a space where you're loved versus going to a space where you're tolerated. Uh, I really think as black people, we have to process that. Uh, China, I'm going to bring Jeff back in a second. looks like Jeff back, Jeff is back here. But but China went through that. China had a brain drain problem similar to the black community for a very long time where the best Chinese scientists and doctors, et cetera, were being recruited to other countries. And China used to, um, you know, they, they had leadership that said no more. You know, we have uh, we have the best scientists in the world and they're all working in other countries. So the Chinese government... Uh, basically said, uh, we cannot grow as a country. We will never get stronger as a country if our very best and brightest are always being recruited away. So uh, they actually started saying to their 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 young people, like, you know, your your value is measured by what you're bringing to China. It's not measured by what you did in the United States or what you did in Europe or what you did in other countries. It's measured by what you do here in China. We don't want you to leave. We want you to come back. We want you to stay home because we're tired of our best and brightest being sucked away by countries, countries that have a little bit more money than us. So, so, and, and now you see China is one of the most powerful countries on earth. So I think for the black community, we, we have to sort of challenge this idea that if a white man offers a couple more dollars, then we supposed to automatically be out. Um, I would almost, again, go back and Jeff, I'm gonna let you have the ball again, but again, you know, with, 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 with Dion, you know, it, I, I, I assume you're financially secure. At what point do you get to the point where the money can't be the number one factor in your decision making? So go go ahead. Uh, the, the biggest thing is, like I said, Jackson State allowed him to audition uh, and show that the black experience as a head coach could possibly work. And when he flipped Travis Hunter, meaning got the number one player in the country to come to JSU, that that's that's that those are dollar signs in people's mind because Travis is a special athlete and just a, and, and if you're at another school you're thinking okay if he can get one Travis Hunter at JSU maybe he can get four of them at Colorado right like at Ohio State and Alabama they get ten of them a year twenty of them a year right but like maybe you can get three or four at Colorado and that'll change us economically that'll change us and, and put us in a different stratosphere. The thing is, though, like I'm not I don't it's not that I don't think I think prime can go to Colorado and may be able to have some success. But boy, oh, boy, he better. He better because they're just not going to love him the same. How how like I said, people here at Jackson, because of the way he speaks, 
the fact that he's religious, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he references God a lot, he uses Bible verses in his pregame speeches and things like that. He's a really good motivational speaker. They've they've gotten connected with him specifically through the religious thing more so than any other job in the country <clears throat> would have because we know the Bible thumping black folks in the South. They love them some, some church and God. And so they've kind of connected with him through that religious aspect. Well, Colorado don't give a damn about no religious aspect. They don't care about wins and losses. Like, so they, they you can go out there and talk about Jesus and say God called you and all. All of that's cool. Like, yeah, that sounds good. That's cool, right? But if you go out there and go one and 11, your ass is going to be fired just like the last dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I mean, that's just the truth. And so they're, they're not going to look at you with the same gravitas and the same aura and love that these people here at JSU or at the HBCU community or the black folks in this place. Whereas they're like, yeah, okay, they'll have a little bit starstruck at, at first, but get off to a slow start or start losing football games. Yeah, that stuff wears off really quick when they're paying you millions. See, the thing is that JSU, they're only paying you 300000 So the wins and losses, yeah, they care about. They care about their football just like any other place. But 300000 uh, we and you're Deion Sanders, uh, we can't complain too much. And the fact that you're giving us all these resources. You're providing us with all these sponsorships. You're bringing in this influx of money that we've never had or never seen before. See, in Colorado, they have they have that already. Like, uh, money, uh, that, it don't mean nothing to us. You're not going to help us get a Walmart sponsorship. We already have that. You're not going to help us get a sponsor, uh, Pepsi sponsorship. We already have that. You're not going to bring in, you're not going to make an economic $30 million economic impact to our university, our school, yeah, we do a hundred million dollars. Like we do a hundred million dollars, 30 million ain't, ain't nothing. So like, okay. So all of that stuff that goes away, just like all of that, that love that Jackson JSU, the SWAT has for you, all of that goes away. It's about wins and losses and having Snoop Dogg and Key Glock and, and all these Rick Ross and all these people on the sideline. Yeah. All of that's cute until you finish the season four and seven. Until you finish the season, <laughs> that ain't gonna. Yeah, all of them folks on the sideline now. Hell no, we want all of that gone. If you ain't winning no football games, right? Now, yeah, all of that ain't gonna happen. All of it on the social media, all the cameras, whether it's you know Amazon Prime or Barstool or you know his son Dion Jr. who runs the social media. All of that's cute when you're winning, but it's gonna be hard to win at Colorado. And that stuff goes from cute and dope and amazing to annoying. Fast as hell if you ain't winning. So like, mm. oh no, that's annoying or a distraction. Now that that stuff becomes a distraction where it once was a recruiting pool and a reason to come down to Jackson State and visit and see like and it broadcasted to the world all the great things you were doing at JSU. Yeah, that becomes a distraction in their eyes when you're not winning and when you're not doing what they brought you in to do or where they give you that from three hundred thousand to five million dollar pay increase. Yeah, that becomes distractions because you know. You know, things in the black community become distraction or urban or too hip hop or too, you know, like they use those words, those code words. And some of those code words are going to be floating around Deion Sanders if he doesn't go up to Boulder, Colorado and win and not just win, but win immediately. They're going to start to say that because at JSU, he was able to win immediately. Wow. Well, everybody who's watching, uh, I'm speaking with Jeff Lightsey Jr. from the Black Boss Channel. And uh, he's, he, as you see, he's really committed and dedicated to uh, our HBCUs and also the sports in general. He's uh, a little Stephen A. Smith in a good way, though, without all the buffoonery. Uh, and so um, uh, if you want to follow Jeff, you can actually follow him at jlightsey7. 
Uh, that's his uh, Instagram and Twitter. So follow Jeff. He's, he's on top of sports. He'll, he'll keep you informed and stuff like that. Uh, also, I want to remind everybody that uh, we're, we're in the Black Business School. We are doing a Black Wall Street training uh, class that starts on the 6th, uh, being taught by a brother named Cody Ransom out of Tulsa, who is uh, who will teach us every single detail about Black Wall Street, uh, who the major players were, how it was built. Um, our whole community needs to know about Black Wall Street. Our whole community needs to understand the details. And believe me, even if you think you understand Black Wall Street, you don't know all the details the way Cody knows the details. It's really amazing. Uh, bring your whole family. Uh, the training starts on the 6th of December. So we don't, we're not waiting on public schools to teach nothing. We don't debate critical race theory. We don't worry about what white folks are going to teach us because we got plenty of smart black folks who can do the job. So we partner in the black business school with a lot of black educators and thinkers to, uh, to do things like that. So if you'd like to join, we start on the 6th of December, uh, go to boycewalkins.com. The link is right there. All the materials, all the slides will be yours for life. And I encourage you to bring your children because you have to educate your own kids. We must educate our own and stop waiting on other people. So um, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell. That's very important. So you can make sure you follow the platform. So let me, let me throw this out here at you, Jeff, man. All right. So a couple of things popped up. Uh, you let's talk about the money. You 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 know I'm a, I'm a money guy, so I'm yeah. looking at the money because and Dion apparently is a money guy because he had a song called "Must Be the Money," right? <laughs> so so it must be the money. And here's what um is interesting. You made a good point. You you made a lot of good points, but one good point that stuck stuck in my head was uh that you talked about how the the financial impact that uh, Dion had at Jackson State. It, it's it, it's it wouldn't really matter so much at Colorado. Like the idea of bringing in an extra thirty million, uh, you know, HBCUs unfortunately are in such a bad financial state that an extra thirty million is life changing. It's amazing, which which is very sad because you out here, you know, we're, we out here worshiping all these rappers, bragging about how rich they are, and they're not, you know, and their their universities are starving and and going broke. I mean, you might people might give Bill Cosby a hard time for what he allegedly did or didn't do, uh, but. You, you can't knock the fact that he actually put his money where his mouth was. You know, I had many hours of conversation with Kanye West and I saw he has hundreds of millions of dollars in assets that he accumulated from Adidas and other places. Not once have I seen him write a 10, 20, 30 million dollar check to an HBCU, but I've seen him spend millions of dollars on like a, his daughter's birthday party or a fashion show in Paris with Balenciaga. That's a problem. That's an issue. I think that we have to start challenging the, our so-called heroes and say what what are you where are you putting your money where your mouth is so 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 we know that the economic impact uh that he had at jackson state is not going to be seen the same at colorado but let me put it into context let me give y'all some actual numbers uh in terms of where colorado is um in terms of money colorado has an endowment colorado is one of the broke white schools they're not really a rich white university they're just they're just mediocre their endowment did you know the university of colorado endowment is bigger than than all the top 10 HBCUs combined. Colorado's endowment is $2.13 billion. If you took the top 10 HBCUs, your richest schools, your Spellmans, your Howards, your Morehouses, added them all up, they still can't match what Colorado has, right? So, so this tells you about this racial wealth gap that exists within universities and it's really hard for HBCUs to compete, especially when you have the brain drain. 
You know, when when literally, you know, the HBCU kind of becomes this stopping point. It's never the wife. It's always the side chick. You know, it's always the girlfriend. And, and it, it, it makes me just think about sports where you'll have guys that will date black girls their whole life. Then as soon as they sign the NFL contract, they show up with Becky on their arm. And, and, and I'm not knocking it. People can marry who they want. I'm not judging. But my thing is maybe we shouldn't be so quick to say, well, he could just do whatever he wants and it's okay. Maybe it's not okay. You know, I don't think, I think for Jewish people, it's not okay to do that. For Asian people, it's not okay to do that. You know, uh, for Arab people, I don't think it's okay to do that. But but for black people, we like, well, as long as long as he getting money, dog, you know, like whatever. And, and I, I really think that we have to kind of grow out of that mindset. Uh, and so so that that was that was the plan I want to make. Now I want to ask you your thoughts on just what I said. I'm not even gonna ask a question. But 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 Colorado just has so much money, and, and now Jackson State goes back to being broke. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's just it's the fact that, like you said, it's all of it. It's the money, the money, the resources is the number one thing, right? If you say you're coming, that, that's the thing, Doc. Just for example. If you told me that, I, hey, Jeff, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm not, and, and I'm here to change it, right? And you change, you do change some of it, but you don't get it to the point that you said you were going to do, and then you leave. And it's like, yeah, you made a difference, but you didn't do what you said, like, or you didn't do what you said completely. If Prime says, I'm coming to Jackson State, one, because God called me, and he called me collect, meaning I had to pay and two, I'm here to level the playing field. Well, the playing field's not leveled. And not only is it mm. not leveled, it, it's 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 getting there. It's like we're, we're seeing the progress. And we know in five more years, like we just wonder, we're, now we're left to only imagine what it could be like in two years or in three years or in five years, right? Because you said you were going to level the playing field. And although you haven't leveled the playing field, you, you're shaking it a little bit. You shaking like you so you showing you shown that it's possible. And so now it's like, oh, my goodness. Now it's only left to my fantasy what you could have done. Right. Like at one point, I never could have imagined. But now it's almost like worse. It's like it's like that quote where they say, is it better to have love and lost or to never have loved at all? Right. It's JSU. If, if all the reports are right, they will have love and then lost. And it's like, damn. What could like it's almost like we could have been there. Whereas it now it's like if we, we would just have never have never thought about or never loved at all, we may not have known what it felt like to actually be like inch closer and closer and closer to seeing the playing field being leveled. And that's not to say that the playing field still can't be leveled, but it's just like the expedition of the playing field being leveled is gone, right? Like Deion Sanders put a battery in your back and boosted you, right? I, I use this analogy with my uncle the other day. JS, the JSU in HBCU sports, it was trending in the right direction, but it was it was on like a slope, like with a slight trend, right? Like it was going up a little bit. But when Dion came, it went like this, like it went straight up, right? Like we, like like you went from this slow but steady to straight up in the air, like up, 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 and like we just wondering how high could he take it? But it only, but the thing was, he can only take it as high as long as he's there. And, and as long as his his direction is going straight up like this, the scoundrels and the vouchers of our vultures are going to come and try to pluck him away from that black school down there in Jackson, Mississippi. And that's essentially what happened. And that's why it's unfortunate. And, and, and the fact the economic impact, like you said, it just 
it won't be the same at Colorado because Colorado's not hurting for money. They're not hurting for money and they will fire you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. They, and they will not love you the same. Even before and before they fire you, their fans, their alumni, their boosters, their, their people on Twitter, on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook, they're going to bash you if you're losing before they fire. So even before the firing, if you don't have success, and that's not to say you won't go there and have success, but if you don't have the success, and not just success, but the level of success that they expect, now, it's not just like you can go out there and have, still have winning records. Coaches with winning records still get fired all the time and because it's big business, right? You could have a winning record, but if you're not making the impact impact that they want, they will fire you. And so that's why it's all different, man. It, it's going to be totally, totally different. Will He's always been Deion Sanders since he's been in the public spotlight. But coaching is different than being a player. See, coach, as a player – there's folks that sign your checks and they can kind of, you know, they can kind of like get you up out the, the coaching. You're the face of the organization. And in Colorado, you're the face of a big white organization. And will you be able to set, have that same gravitas, that same swag, that same dialect, that same, those same interactions when, when the kid, when the, the boosters, alumni, fans, uh, students are, aren't, uh, aren't uh, Daquan and, and uh, Tyrone and Shaquita, but now they're Bruce and Bob and Billy, right? Like Billy Bob. And <laughs> like, will, you have, will you have that same swag with them? Like, will you be able to, right? Like, or do you have to talk really proper and get it? You know what I mean? Like, do you have to get in mm-hmm. line? Because there's a game you have to play when people are paying you $5 million a year. That's just the, that's just the fact. Doc, mm-hmm. you've been in those spaces. There's a game that you have to play, and there's asses that you have to kiss, pause, no no offense, that you have to play when somebody's cutting you a $5 million check to be the face as a coach, as a coach to be the face of their organization that just isn't the same when you're here at an HBCU at Jackson State University. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really think, I, I you know what I, you know what I think about, man? Um, it's, a, it's a similar story, but not quite the same. You and I are both from Louisville, Jeff, and uh, – Jeff Lightsey Jr., by the way, that's that's the, the name of the brother I'm speaking with. Um, and you and I remember a coach by the name of Charlie Strong in Louisville. Yeah. Now, here's, here's, here's my perception. Now, you're 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 a sports guy. You're one of the best in the business. And so you can fill in the blanks. Because I'm going to speak as a casual observer, but a football fan, about what I saw with Charlie Strong. And why it reminded me of that TLC song, uh, don't go chasing waterfalls. You remember that song? Don't go chasing waterfall. All right. So Charlie Strom, everybody was coaching at Louisville, and he really, really brought brought it. I mean, he the, the team was was the best it had been in years. They were pretty close to almost like competing for a national championship. Which growing up, we never. I mean, I grew up when they would give away those football tickets <laughs> just because nobody wanted to go to the games. And uh, and it brought a sense of pride to the school. He was a black coach. It, it was black excellence. You know, for the people in the city, the black folks, like we were really proud of Charlie. At least I was to see this black man leading the team and seeing them. We all were. We level. all were. I was there. We I lived it. We were. Charlie was yeah, our guy. Man. But continue on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so then uh, and, and Louisville really worked to pay him, you know, that they, they were really trying to throw that money at him. And um, and but but Charlie wanted bigger, you know, a bigger stage. So he took a job 
at the University of Texas. And I remember being so heartbroken when he took that job. You know, I was like, man, like, dang, like, they gave him everything he wanted. But, but sometimes you just want to be on that bigger stage, right? Charlie Strong goes to Texas. It's a complete shit show. From day zero, day zero. The, the alumni did, the, the, the biggest donors did not want his black ass on their campus. They did not, they gave him the money, but they did not give him the support. Uh, I think the players had a mutiny. The team sucked. Like they were terrible. I mean, they were terrible. Next thing I know, he's he's back teaching, what was it, Florida Atlantic or something? And then I don't know if he even kept that job. Like it was like it went all downhill. Like, like you left. And here's my point, right? And, and I want to get your take on like what you saw with that whole situation, how it might relate to this a little bit. What I saw with Charlie was, you know, like you can't underestimate the value of being in a place where they really just love you. You know, like 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 you walk away from love because you want something that validates you, right, or helps you reach some sort of shiny goal or whatever. But but then next thing you know, you find out that your goal was buried in your backyard. That literally it, everything you had was right there in front of you. But you went out in the world trying to search for stuff, and next thing you know, you're in a bad situation. What was your thoughts on that? What was your impression of how things went down for Charlie Strong? And and would you relate that a little bit to what could happen here with Dion going out to Colorado? Well, with, with Charlie Strong, the thing was, like you said, he, he wasn't their first choice. And then he was going to Texas and he had a white wife. <laughs> like so you had so you had all of those things. Uh. It, it, it just they never the boosters, meaning like the football people wanted Charlie, but the football people aren't the ones that pay the bills around like like football itself does, but the boosters, those endowments, those come from really rich people that went to your university and that give a lot of money back to your university in, in conjoint with the sports and athletics and in the, the academics that bring in the money. But the, the money makers are the alumni and the sports. And so with Charlie, that's what kind of, that's what it like, what it was, it was a sinking ship when he, when he hopped on there, right? Like that, that's essentially what it was. And that could be the case at Colorado with Dion. We just don't know. I mean, it's a one in 11 team. Texas wasn't even that bad when Charlie left to go there. Now, the, the difference between Charlie and Dion is that Dion is Dion, right? Like, he'll always be able to bounce back simply because he is prime. But, like you said, it's the fact that he will never feel the love at Colorado. Even if he wins 100 straight games in a row and wins 10 national championships, he will never feel the love that he feels here. It's just it's impossible because you know why? They're always going to put – their first love in front of him, the guys that were winning at Colorado or winning wherever before he got there. So they've seen winners before and they've seen what it looks like to win national championships and Heisman trophy winners and things like that. So even if Dion comes and do those things, well, that's been done before here at Jackson state. Yeah. They were winners and they partied and stuff, but this impact hadn't happened. They hadn't been relevant in the social media era, right? Like they hadn't been relevant, you know, done this type of business. Even when they were winning, they weren't making this kind of money. So it's a, it's a diff, there's a difference there. Your, your impact is different. Even though they had coaches, W.C. Gordon and so on, that won a lot of games, but they weren't able to drive millions, millions of dollars in corporate sponsors and fans that travel from across the country to come see you play and different things like that. So that's different. So they appreciate you different because you're, you're the first. You're the first to do these things here. And when you're the first to do anything – it feels a little different. Colorado, you won't be the first to do nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Who won't be the first to do nothing? And so everything, and, and it's a big white school. And so they're always going to choose their white lover, the one that did it first that was white, over you. It's just true. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just let's call a spade a spade. It is the truth. And so even if Dion goes there and gets Heisman Trophy winners and gets top recruits and wins championships, and this is just a far fetch because at Colorado it's going to be damn near impossible to do these things, but it can happen. It's a possibility, but it's going to be damn near impossible. Well, they've done yeah. these things before. And so you won't be the first person to do it. And they'll be happy. Yeah, they'll be happy. But like I said, there's in big college football, even the coaches that win championships get fired, Doc. Even the coaches that win freaking championships get fired. Go ask LSU's last two coaches. They got fired after winning championships. Go ask a couple of coaches from Auburn. They got fired after winning championships. Like, like this is this is seri- a serious thing. Like, they, they don't play. It's not like fun and giggles and like, like look at Nick Saban he's the winningest coach in the history of college football and he never freaking smiles like he never smiles why because he's always stressed because he's always because if you don't win he knows he can even get replaced mm. so that's the thing like wow. that that is the seriousness of major high-level college football when they're paying these coaches five seven ten twelve million dollars per year Wow. Well, you know what, Jeff? Uh, I I know you're you're actually down in Jackson. I know you gotta you gotta go. I'm I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna hang on. And just so you know, I'm I'm gonna stay on here for a little bit. But you can bounce out anytime you gotta go, man. Because I know uh, that you you have uh, you're, you're actually going to the yeah. championship game and stuff like that. So uh, I just want to make sure you you know that. And I'm, I'm not even telling you to go. I'm just saying that whenever you're just, just I got a few I got a few more minutes. I can hang out. So I got a few more minutes, and then I'll get up out of here. All right, very cool. And by the way, I'm speaking with Jeff Latchy Jr. from Ball Sports. <clears throat> and uh, Jeff, uh, I'm gonna give actually his Instagram uh, and Twitter information if you want to follow him and debate sports with him. He'll he'll debate you all day long on social media. And uh, we're talking about Deion Sanders uh, being reportedly leaving Jackson State uh, for Colorado. Uh, University of Colorado is allegedly, uh, according to ESPN, offering him five million dollars to uh, take over there. Uh, it's a big pay jump uh, from 300000 or so that he was making at Jackson State to $5 million. And uh, we're just debating the pros and cons of that. So, uh, by the way, if you could take one second, everybody take a second, hit that thumbs up button, hit the thumbs up button, hit the notification bell. Also, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell. That's really important because uh, you want to be notified uh, when we go live. Uh, if you enjoy this kind of content, uh, then you will be notified when we go live. Also, I want to mention this week, I'm actually speaking at the Sales Accelerator in Atlanta today, actually, uh, and Coach Kimberly Fowler is hosting that event. And I want to make sure I mention that. I'll put her URL on the screen if anybody wants to come to that event. It's for basically anybody that wants to level up your business. And uh, I'll put Kimberly's uh, URL on the screen uh, in case you want to come out and you know shake my hand and say hi and you know stuff like that. All right. So <clears throat> let's um. So one of the things. That, so we're so so here's here's what. Uh, what's interesting about this man is like, I get it, right? I understand why a lot of people, uh, you know, agree that Dion should go to this other job. I get it. I totally get it. Um, but here's the thing: the fact that I can easily explain exactly why people believe that he should take this job—that's the problem. That's part of the problem. And what do I mean by that? Mm. Well, what? Let everybody in the chat. Let's do a test. Type in one word, and I'll give you a hint. It starts with the letter M. Type one word 
that explains why Deion Sanders would take the $5 million job over the $300,000 job. Everybody type in the chat. One word <clears throat> starts with the letter M that explains why Deion Sanders wants to go to crusty-ass Colorado with a, a, a horrible record. Like, ain't no melanin in Colorado like that. They got some black people, though. Don't get me wrong. I love my black people in, in, in Colorado. I did an event in Denver. It was sold out. So we got black people in Colorado. But give me one. There's one word. Like, it's it's a one-dimensional decision. It's like being a one-issue voter, right? It's, it's just the money. <clears throat> Colorado sucks. I mean, I look at their <laughs> record, man. They they haven't even they haven't won more than like five games in a year. They've done that two times in the last twenty years. In two thousand four, they were eight and five. In two thousand sixteen, they were ten and four. Other than that, if I look at Colorado's record, I see one and eleven, four and eight. Um, for some reason, four and two. I guess that was the shortened season during the, the COVID year. year. That was the COVID yeah, year. That, that was that was actually, <clears throat> but that's actually on their way to a good season. Uh, that's one of the best ones in here. Five and seven, five and seven, five and seven. Then they had ten and four in 2016. Four and nine, two and ten, four and eight, one and eleven, three and ten, five and seven, three and nine, five and seven, six and seven, two and ten, seven and six. That's a winning record. Good for them. And I mean, they are horrible. They haven't been really good since the nineties. They haven't been good consistently since the nineties. So, so the the thing is, right? I get it when people are like, "Yeah, Dion needs to do what he's got to do. It's it's business and da da da." And you know, but the fact that I can just tell you, like, "Oh, it's it's the money." Maybe that just is a little deep, deeper. It maybe needs to be a little deeper than that, right? It's like um, if we if money is always the number one motive, and I'm saying this as a money guy, I talk to y'all about money constantly. My doctorate's in money, so I know the power of money. I know it very deeply. But the thing is, if money is always the number one driver in your decisions as a black person, then white people will always win. White people touch down for the white man every damn time because guess who has all the money in America? Mm. Who y'all think got more money in America? The white man. He's got all the money. So he's like, oh, if I get these Negroes on this financial frequency and they live on this financial frequency and all they do is worship that dollar bill, then they're going to end up worshiping me mm. because money is your God. But I control the God. I'm the God who controls the God. And then you wonder why you a damn slave. Then you wonder why you a damn slave because you don't have no currency that matters to you other than the dollar bill. I resent that. I challenge you on that. I understand money matters. Money is important. I'm not even judging Dion's right to make this decision. But God damn it, can't we have a criteria that goes beyond just, well, they, they paying the most money. We getting the most money. Man, do you, do you know how many ways? Do you understand? Like, if if, if I know that money is the number, it's the thing. If I can if I can use money to get you to abandon your family, abandon or or or, di or disrespect your people, where do you think all these rappers come from? Disrespecting women, getting kids hooked on drugs, rapping about murdering black people, sounding like neo Nazis or whatever. And, and, and it's it's because we say, well, it's the money they paying, they making good money, so genocide's okay as long as we getting paid to die. You got to stop that, man. You just got to stop that. I mean, if you support Dion, support him. That's cool. But don't just be, don't come to me with no nonsense. I For years, Jeff, I'm passing the ball back to you. For years, Jeff, I fought with BET. Oh, the one, TJ Holmes is in the news now because he, he like, he, the, the snow bunnies like it. But TJ Holmes is good morning America. I had one conversation with TJ Holmes my entire life. And TJ called me. 
I never call these celebrities. They always call me. Whenever they call, whenever they reach out, they call me. I never reach out to them. TJ called me and he got he got my number from Don Lemon, which was really weird because Don and I don't we never got along. Uh, but I'm surprised my number is even in his phone. But TJ called me and we were talking about BET. And he said uh, when we were uh, in our meeting with BET, because uh, he was at BET at the time, he said, you wrote an article that almost sounded like you were in the same meeting. He said you were. He said everything you said was right on point, and uh, and 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 it was like you worked for the company. Like I was like, how did he know all this stuff? I just had to call you and talk to you about it. And I said it was easy, man, because every time I talked to BET, and I would say, why are you promoting like the stuff that's killing black people? Why are you this this big white owned company claiming you control black culture, promoting things that are you know you know are harmful to your own damn community? Well, well, we make a lot of money. It's the BT Awards. BT Awards makes a lot of money. We get a lot of advertising. It's money, 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 money. So that wasn't, I said that wasn't hard. That That's not a hard analysis because you're one dimensional. It's like playing basketball against a player who can only dribble with his right hand and only knows how to go to the basket. You can play defense on a one dimensional player very easily because he, he, he doesn't have a plan B. He has no other moves. So I'm saying to black people, look, if you want to win this game called against white supremacy, you got to get a move outside of just, well, I'm, I'm for sale to the highest bidder. It's, it's the money. It's the money. Because then you become simple. You're easy to figure out. It's easy to play defense on you. It's easy to score on you because you only got one damn move. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just and really quick. It, it's just. On, on that note, right, and I'm going to reference something you said earlier. You talked about how you could have went to a different you, – you could have you stayed at Syracuse or went to a different school and, or went to the HBCUs and made a bunch of money doing that, like, probably, like, a, like maybe even more money than you make now, right, or whatever. But it was something about building your own and not just building your own, building your own for your people, the black business school. Who, who is my target audience? It's black people. What Dion Coach Prime was doing at Jackson State, he was essentially created his own black business school in, in multiple ways, or his own black football factory. Football factory, business school, uh, motivational seminar, whatever. You know, like he was, it was all in one right here in Jackson. And now you're moving on, and it's like, oh my goodness, what this could have been. When you started the black business school, it wasn't 150,000 students or whatever. It, was, it started with one, and then it grew to this. Well, Dion, when he came here to Jackson, it, it was not the place that it is now. And just imagine, you know, you've been doing your thing for 20 years or whatever. Imagine what his could have been like after five. And, and, and when you built the Black Business School, I'm sure there is a sense of pride by saying, yeah, I could have been a 30-year, 10-year professor at wherever, but I created, a, I literally created a school and it's mine. And that is my legacy and that'll last forever, way past when I'm gone. And not to say Prime's time here at Jackson State after two years won't last after he's gone, but man, what it would have been like after five, or what it would have been like after 10, or what it would have been like after 15, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Especially, especially when money's really not a factor for him. He's rich already. He was going to be rich to the day he dies. He was rich in the 90s. He was rich in the early 2000s. He's rich right now. Like that, that $5 million a year, it, it, it's going to matter, right? But his sons, his 20-year-old sons, 
walk around with diamond chains and diamond rock watches and gold and diamond grills. Look it up. It's just the truth. And so that that tells me they ain't hurting for no money. If your 20 year old son got, you know, $5 million worth of jewelry on just to walk around the mall at 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? So like, it just would have been so special. The fact that he was essentially building a black business school, a black football factory right here at a black school in a black city, Jackson in a state Mississippi that has been detrimentally done horrible to black people. Like all of it was just beautiful to watch. And now we're watching it go away. And that's, and well, that's, that's the sad well, thing. You know, what it makes me, makes me think about too, Jeff is, um, you know, we have all these athletes that talk about, you know, how they want to they're, they're like, well, we're, we're, we're hoping that one day we can own two percent of an of a NFL team. You know, like we, we, we you know, five percent of the Baltimore Ravens is up for sale. We're forming an investment group to buy five, ten percent of the Baltimore Ravens or whatever. And and, uh, and it, it all it's all it, it's, it's stupid to me. It's it's silly to me. It's it's we, we're like the seven foot midget. You know, we're, we're the seven footers that really think we're midgets. So we operate, we act like midgets. We walk, we walk like we're short and kind of just do what a, what a short person would do. And really you're the tallest person in the room. And, and, uh, and you know, cause to me, owning 10% of an NFL team means nothing. When you used to own the Negro leagues, you own the whole, the entire franchise. You were the commissioner and the, and the, the, the shareholder. And, and you also owned all those businesses connected to the Negro leagues. You know, and, and so, um, so, I, so it's not a matter of saying Dion doesn't have a right to do what he wants to do. I mean, my Lord, millions of black people have done this. You know, it, 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 it that's the, the 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 culture, right? That's what we're trained to do. Is um, you know, big white institution offers you a bunch of money, you go take it. You know, we, we when we grew up as kids, we were taught uh, in my generation that you your goal was to go in and do a good job, impress some white person enough that they are going to offer you a job working for a big white company or in a house in the suburbs so you can get out of the hood. Anybody remember that? Anybody else grow up like that? Where you're, you're going nah, out of the hood? And now, now, I, I, now I know your, your, your mom, Jeff, your mom's a really smart lady. And your mom was the conscientious black woman who had the good corporate job, made plenty of money, but said, I'm not leaving the hood. I'm deliberately staying in the hood because the hood needs me. Like I need to be here. Your mama easily could have moved anywhere she wanted. But she said, "No, I'm staying in the hood," and 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 I and I really think I'm not saying that Dion should have stayed where he was at Jackson State. But here's the thing: people don't understand. There's a lot of ways that a guy like a Dion Sanders can make five million dollars a year. There's a lot. He of does ways. it already. He already does. Like, think about it. Like, Prime has he has because every deal he has he has a ton of deals, and he has a he has essentially two managers. Well, somebody who ain't being booked and busy don't have no damn two managers. <laughs> like, two, like you, you got two managers in, in a whole management company. It, it means you're staying booked and busy. You're on social. You're on Super Bowl commercials. He's Deion Sanders. He was on. He was a. He was a NFL Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, and worked on TV for 15 years. So like he's booked and busy. And now not only, and then you take all of that, and when you have good marketing and good campaigning, and it's you have a good will, they spin that and say he he left all of that, but not necessarily left it. But then took that and brought it to Jackson State, and they were able to flip it and package it, and that's why he's had not one but two documentaries since he's been here in two years, two docu series, not documentaries meaning one movie. I mean in docu series, multiple part episodes. One was on Barstool, and the next one will air this month on Amazon Prime. 
So, like I said, when I say Jackson State benefited him, like if he would have got that job at Arkansas, he wouldn't have had two docuseries in two years. It just would, he wouldn't have had college game day come to Arkansas probably. I mean, just pro- it wouldn't have happened. But all of that has happened since he's been at Jackson State, but it mainly because the story is so great. The guy, Deion Sanders, the Hall of Famer, the best athlete ever, chose to go coach at a school, at an HBCU, even though he never attended one and maybe never even been on one's campus before he got to Jackson State. You know, so that's that's why it all made for a good story and was easy to sell to different businesses. And since 2020, all the businesses want are allegedly want to give money to black entities. Well, what better than to give money to Deion Sanders so he can promote my product? That's a black entity. Give it to his school that he's at coaching. And so I get to say that I did my duty to give my pledge. All of them pledged a bunch of money to black entities back in 2020. So I fulfilled my pledge. And I get Deion Sanders out of the deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get I get primetime and all the cameras that he brings out of the deal. So it was mm. a win-win for both. I just wish I could have seen it last longer. That's all. But I do have to yeah. get out of here, though, Doc. So I appreciate, right. I appreciate you having me. Man. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad you're here. And I want everybody to uh, get your information uh, as you bounce out. I'm, I'm going to hang out and, and talk to everybody and answer some of y'all's questions. But uh, Jeff Lighty Jr., he's from the Black Boss Channel, and he's a, a brilliant young guy, and he does a lot of great stuff. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at jlighty 7 So uh, everybody go to Twitter or Instagram or both and um, and follow Jeff. Uh, he's a smart guy, and if you like to debate sports and stuff like that, he'll get in there, he'll debate with you, and uh, and he's taught, he does it every day. This is what he does, and uh, I have a lot of respect for you, man. So Yes, sir, so, and if you want to follow along what's happening here in Jackson at jlighty 7 I'll be posting different videos and different tweets and everything that I find out while I'm here and just – you know, if you want to further this conversation, yeah, we'll, we'll I'll be posting about all that stuff all throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, we got, I got to bring you back so we can talk about how Prime got at you in that, in that press conference. He, Dion didn't like your question, but yeah, uh, we, we, you, you, Jeff, Jeff is, is always in the press conferences. So, so thanks a lot, Jeff, man. It's Appreciate great it, Doc, you, again. And all take right, care. all right, Jeff Lightsey Jr., everybody. Uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe if you haven't done it yet. Um, uh, and uh, also make sure you hit the notification bell. And uh, don't forget that tomorrow, my wife and I, my wife's a therapist, and we created the first ever Black Financial Therapy Department in the Black Business School. And our goal is to work with the best therapists and the best financial experts to figure out uh, what psychological barriers are keeping us from building Black wealth. Uh, so my wife, you know, my doctor's in finance. My wife's doctorate is in social work, and she's also a licensed therapist and a certified clinical trauma professional. So we decided to co-teach uh, this class together. Uh, it's a four-week deep dive into uh, love and money, relationships and money, and how you can use your money to enhance your relationships and your relationships to enhance your money. Uh, So feel free to join us. Uh, You can go to boycewalkins.com. We get started tomorrow. All the materials are yours for life. There is a discount if you go to my website. Uh, Feel free to join us uh, if if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, and, and you, this is, this is of interest to you. All right. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's talk about this, right? So with Dion leaving, I, w- I want to make it clear, you know, I think that there is, uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, I think that there are people that would say, you know, why are you pocket watching? Uh, I get that. Or, you know, or, or it's his business, it's his priority. He can do whatever he wants. I get that. I understand. And you're, you're right. You're absolutely hundred percent correct. Uh, it's Dion's choice and it's Dion's right. And Dion, this does not make Dion into a terrible person. In fact, it um, it, it makes him actually, it, he fits in. It makes him fit in because a lot of us would do the same thing in that same situation. Um, what I want to do is present 
an alternative perspective to help us really understand uh, just sort of what you're seeing here, though. And, 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 and again, because this is very typical, this is very common. Many of us have done this. This is also one of the reasons why black wealth has been drop, drop, dropping. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you're aware that black wealth, despite all the successes, despite all your Jackie Robinson moments, despite all the times where you've had uh, white folks accept you and, and bring you into their campuses, into their corporations, et cetera, despite the fact that you've attended their universities, your wealth is drop, drop, dropping. And does anybody know that? Give me a yes if you're aware that black wealth is not going up. Uh, black uh, symbolic success is going up. Like our symbolism is at an all time high. Our swag is at an all time high in terms of us feeling good because we're being accepted by the world. But your wealth, your ownership, your control is drop, drop, drop. And black people owned far more land 100 years ago than we own today. We own far more businesses 100 years ago than we own today. This is just a fact. OK, so so what I want you to really understand is this. Let me do a simple uh, framework to help you understand why I'm presenting this other perspective. It's not, you don't have to agree. I get it. Voice, voices beat, voices hating and voices. I hear all that. I hear it all the time. It's totally fine. Say, think that, say that, say it in the chat. But here's the thing. So Jeff mentioned earlier that Deion Sanders' economic impact on the city of Jackson was about $30 million a year. I think it's more than that, to be honest with you. But let's say it's $30 million a year. He also mentioned that Dion going to Colorado means his salary is going to go from 300000 according to ESPN, to about $5 million, right? And he's got staff members that are going to get paid, too. The, the, the coaching staff is going to get a better deal, et cetera, right? Good for them. Good for them. But I want you to compare. I want you. To, I want to ask you all a question. When you talk about overall economic impact, which number is bigger, $30 million or $5 million? Which number is bigger, $30 million or $5 million? Because when, when Dion is in Jackson— Dion makes his money, but the community makes its money too. Uh, a few million, uh, a few hundred thousand dollars go to him. It's it's less than what he deserves. He deserves millions of dollars, but millions of dollars go to uh, the community. Millions of dollars go to the university. Millions of dollars go to lots of black-owned businesses that are going to benefit financially from the presence of Dion, from the spectacle of Jackson State football, uh, from the sold-out stadiums. Do you get what I'm saying? Give me a yes in the chat if you can at least hear what I'm saying. Give me a yes if you can at least acknowledge this. I'm not asking you to agree. I'm asking you to hear me. Okay? But when he goes to Colorado, who's going to benefit? Who, whose businesses are going to benefit from the presence of Deion Sanders? Whose university, if the university is making a few million extra because Deion brings this light everywhere he goes, what university is going to get it? Is, is it Colorado and HBCU? Is a black university going to get that money? Or is a white university going to get that money? Are black-owned businesses going to get that money? Or white-owned businesses going to get that money? Is a black community going to benefit from that? those millions we'll bring into Colorado? Or is a white community going to benefit from those millions in, in Colorado? So, so this is the point that I need you all to understand. As black people, I need you to just kind of take a second. Just hear me. Just hear me. I'm hearing you. I need you to just hear me. Um, Unfortunately, what you're looking at is basically another Jackie Robinson moment. When Jackie Robinson got plucked out of the Negro Leagues, they weren't going and looking for everybody. They said, look, we don't want all the Negroes. We don't want all of y'all. Oh, God, no. We, but we want him. 
we likes that boy right there. We want that boy. We want him to come play for us in the, in the leagues, right? in, in the Negro leagues, right? So Jackie goes and he he gets a nice contract. He gets a nice deal. He's making big money. And people, you know, there's a debate, right? Some people are like, man, nowadays we we losing some of our best players. And, and now my business is, is, is struggling because people don't come to the games. And, and now the league is going to be in financial straits and going to be struggling. But then there are people that were like, yeah, but that boy going to make good money. And he get to play against Joe DiMaggio. He get to be in the big leagues, right? Even though the whole time the Negro leagues were the big leagues. The Negro leagues, the white people didn't have Satchel Page. The white people didn't have the, the, the great players that, that we had at that time. The black man has always been the greatest athlete in this country. We were the big leagues, but we thought we were the little leagues. We were the seven-foot midget. We were the seven-footer that thinks that they're a midget. So you always looking for somebody taller when you're the tallest person in the room and everybody knows it but you. Everybody knows how great you are except for you. So you trying to get next to white folks because you've been trained for 400 years. Books like Black Labor, White Wealth. Explain this. Powernomics.com is where Dr. Anderson's books are. I encourage you to get them for your kids so they understand not how to not fall for the rope dope. But you've been trained to believe that his ice is colder that his fans are better, that his stadiums are prettier, that his 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 women are are, are finer, that his money is 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 cleaner. And, and so you want to go be next to him because you somehow feel that that's a symbol of success. So I'm going to say I'm going to go back to that basic point. If you take away the money, there's no reason on this earth anybody would rather be at Colorado than Jackson State. Who the hell, what the hell kind of black person would say Gosh, being around around all them black people at Jackson State, that makes me nervous. I, I don't like all that all that black stuff and all that dark skin and everything. I, I need to go out to Colorado where everybody's nice and pasty. You know, Colorado's kind of cold, so they got those pasty white people. They ain't got no skin color. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They, I'm, I'm not making fun of them, but maybe I am. But you get the point, right? So, 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 so you want to go to cold ass Colorado, losing record, um, pasty white folks. Uh, and you're doing that. It's it's because of the money. That's it. It's it's literally like the money is the motive. And and I encourage you to understand that this is part of the reason why your wealth declines because you have a brain drain and a talent drain. Uh, Dion's going to Colorado for the same reason that a lot of your black athletes will skip over the HBCUs and go to the big white schools. I mean, why wouldn't they? The big white schools have the money. The big white schools have the facilities. The big white schools have the fans. They have the national TV exposure. Those are all wonderful things. And 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 and, and the thing about it, though, the problem, though, the reason that you're you're missing out on on the true wealth is because true wealth comes to people who build things. True wealth does not come to people who attach themselves to pre-existing institutions. True wealth comes to people who build institutions that others eventually want to attach themselves to. So, so a, a, so a, another way, you know, so Dion is, is going a route that a lot of people go and that's fine. But another approach to look at this might be to say, eh, you know, I'm prime time. The, the, the sun, I'm not, I'm not a planet. I'm not a planet that revolves around the sun. I am the sun and, and planets revolve around me. So wherever I go is where is where the, the, the swag is going to be. Every, wherever I go, the power is going to be there. So, so, I'm not going to you. You got to come to me. So because I'm going to build something right here that's going to have the power of the sun. And all we're going to do, we ain't going to revolve around nobody. We ain't responding to nobody. We ain't trying to get up next to nobody. All we're going to do is shine. 
And all, and, and all we're going to do is use our power to have a gravitational force and a pull that is so strong that eventually planets start revolving around us because we because I'm the sun. So it, so so let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret. See, I don't show it so much because I think it's, it's kind of bad, but I got a little prime time in me, too. I got a little prime time in me, too. I've always known how smart I am. I've always known that I understand things about economics and finance that most people don't get. I've always known that I could be as great as I wanted to be. I just don't believe in bragging about it because you don't brag. You, you don't, you're not supposed to brag about it. You just show it. You just do it. And so, so do you know the promise that I made to myself back in 2007 when I was leaving Syracuse University to uh, do the things that I do now is I said, I am not going to go chasing down any of these celebrities. I'm not chasing down anybody. I'm not trying to go get in front of nobody to show them how good I am at what I do. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to murder the game and kill it right where I sit. I'm not going to them. They're going to come to me. And I'll be damned. And I've put it on a stack of Bibles right now that every single celebrity that I have ever met in the last 15 years, I never called them first. They always called me. You know why? Because they were like, What's that Boyce Watkins guy got going on over there? What's his, his I've heard good things about his platform. You know, seriously. And I can go down the list. I'm talking about, you know, the Al Sharpins and the Jesse Jacksons and the Ice Cubes and the Kanye West. Kanye, I didn't call Kanye. I wasn't trying to get next to Kanye. I don't care how many shoes you sold to weird old white kids around the world that want to spend $400 for a pair of ugly sneakers. I, I don't care about fashion shows in Paris with Balenciaga, the biggest child molesters on earth. I don't care about that stuff. None of that impresses me. I'm black first. I'm B1. This is, this is where the gold is buried. Kanye called me. Kanye reached out to me. I'm not bragging. I'm and I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. I know it sounds. I don't want to sound cocky. I promise you. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to empower you. I'm trying to support you and your greatness. And understand. Look, if you're just good at what you do and you're building where you stand, then eventually you gain something that is very powerful because you poured into it. It's like a child. You know, if you have a little baby, you can't sit here and drop your own baby so you can go babysit other people's kids. Well, well I want some light-skinned kids with good hair. You got a beautiful baby. You don't drop your baby in the dumpster so you can go babysit somebody else's kid when you got the most beautiful child on earth. You know, why not sit back? I, I just really think in general, as black people, what we got to do, this is what's going to solve your wealth problem. I swear to God, this will solve your wealth problem. You have to learn, really create a generation of builders. You have to create a generation of young people that say, look, we don't need to go. I know the white man's got all the money. I know he's got some resources and all that. But but I'm not a one dimensional thinker. You can't just get me for the money. This is why I love the Nation of Islam, because I talked to Akilah Nihunda, one of the greatest rappers of all time. And, and I didn't need other people to tell me Akilah Nihunda is a great rapper. I just decided that. And I said, you're great right where you stand. Let's tell it. Let's show everybody how good you are. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I like Akilah because you can't buy Akilah with dollar bills. You can't just have her go sit next to some pasty ass racist it, because they paid her extra money. You cannot be a one-dimensional thinker because I go back to that basic premise that if you let money be your motive for every decision you make, then you might as well put on a, a, a Klansman's hat or, 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 or a Klansman's cape and call yourself a white supremacist. You might as well become a white supremacist. Why is that? Well, because if you worship money, 
and the white man has all the money, then you will effectively end up worshiping the white man. That's it. I'm, it's it's just true. You know, because in, in the, in the problem that you have is that the only wealth that you see is financial wealth. You don't see cultural wealth. You don't see the wealth that comes from the strength of being in your own community. You don't see the wealth that comes from networking with people who love you. You don't see the wealth that comes from family support. You don't see the wealth that comes from being in a community that literally is a trendsetter for the entire world. You see no wealth in that. Everybody else does. That's why white folks were running through the South Bronx trying to learn how to make money off of hip hop. They, they saw the wealth. You don't see the wealth. All you see is them dollar bills. And so, so what I would say to like Dion is, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say anything to him. I wouldn't, I'm not interested in, you know, I mean, I, I don't dislike the guy. If he wanted to talk, I'd talk to him. But I, I really think, you know, if you're a person that's already made money, why are you still making your decisions based solely on money? You know, I, I just, I just don't get that. I mean, but then again, you know, with athletes, you never know what's going on with their financial situation. I know Dion's had a divorce and everything else. So, so maybe that drained his, his bank account to the point where he's still got to take the, the job that comes from the highest bidder. Um, but I really, really think you got to think outside of that box because I'm going to tell you, if these athletes got together with all of their influence and all of their wealth and all their contacts, if they all, if the top 20 athletes on earth got together and said, we're going to create a league that in 20 years will be as big as the NFL, they could pull that off. If they said, we want to create a league that in 20 or 30 years is going to be as big as the NBA, they could pull it off. The reason they don't pull it off is because they don't have the vision. They can't. You can't build wealth in a community if you can't even look out a 30-year horizon. If you can't even look a generation ahead, you will never have wealth and economic power. If all you see is what's in front of you and you can't see that which could be in front of you, then you will never have wealth. If all you see is the present and you can't see the future, you will not be wealthy. So I'm asking you to just gain some vision and perspective. I want you to ask yourself this. What if Dion was at Jackson State and committed to supporting the building of a business and, and uh, infrastructure that generated millions and millions of dollars for the people in Jackson State uh, where they would benefit from the fact that, that Jackson State became uh, one of the greatest shows on earth? What if they develop, what if they have business development initiatives where they said, okay, let's take what we have and let's build around this. Let's figure out how we can increase that revenue from, uh, from you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month to a couple million dollars a month. Uh, you know, what, what, what would have happened? What would that have looked like five or 10 years from now? You know, it, it, and, and here's the thing, you'll never know what it looks like because you're only thinking about a paycheck. Paychecks are not, um, wealthy people don't have paychecks typically. Wealthy people own assets. They own entities. There's nothing in Colorado right now that is owned by Deion Sanders. There's nothing about that university that, that's owned by him or his associates. There's nothing. There's very little in Colorado. They've already got their business infrastructure. They've already got everything. So basically, they're saying, we want you to come in and we want you to be an employee and we want you to help us build what we got. We we matter more than anything else. And if so, so that will explain to you part of the reason why the endowment at the University of Colorado of $2.1 billion is bigger than the endowments of all the top 10 HBCUs combined. They're sitting around waiting for Jeff Bezos' ex-wife to write a check to, because she feels sorry for them. University of Colorado has donors who are multi-billionaires who own big businesses that are writing $100 million, $50 million, $100 million checks 
to develop their institution. They're not out seeking an opportunity for somebody else to take them in. They're not looking for a benefactor. They are the benefactor. So, so that, so this is a different way to look at this. And I, and I, I want to just make sure I let you know that those of you who disagree with me, you have a right to disagree. Those of you who uh, support Dion's goals and everything else, I get that. Big time college football. I'm a football fan. I, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. That's where I graduated from. I, I watch football. You know, football is great, you know, and, and I get it, you know, but uh, but I can tell you, you know, think about this. The best black athletes on the planet go to the big white universities and the HBCUs are sitting back there starving. That don't make no sense. That only happens in the black community. Jewish people don't let go of their, their best and brightest. <laughs> they don't send their best and brightest other places. They say, no, we need you to come back here and we need you to build something here so that the rest of us can benefit. That's a cultural thing. That's what, you know, Kanye can be mad all day about the fact that the Jews own so much in media and everything else. But there was a plan to that. I read a whole book called How the Jews Invented Hollywood. It was, it, it was called An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Invented Hollywood. Great book, <clears throat> not anti-Semitic, none of that stuff. Uh, excellent display of how a community comes together <clears throat> and builds uh, an infrastructure that benefits everybody. They weren't just out here saying, how do I just get paid myself by going and kissing somebody's butt or attaching myself to something somebody else has going on. They literally started their own stuff. MGM, Warner Brothers, all these all these major platforms started because they had a vision that went beyond the next two or three or four or five years. They had a vision that went beyond one person getting a really big paycheck or a couple of people doing well financially. This happens all the time. This happens in music. This happens in sports. It happens everywhere. And you're used to that. You're used to that. You know, that's why when somebody comes along and says, well, you know, there's a different way to think about your, your community's economics. That, that's when you start having people come out and say, oh, you a hater. You, you pocket watching. Why you get your hand out that man's pockets? That's that. That's that. That that's that Negroidian mentality. That's the Negro naysayer. The Negro naysayer finds a problem with every solution. But I give you a problem that you cannot solve, Negro naysayer. The problem you cannot solve is you cannot tell me why black wealth has been dropping despite all the progress you made during integration, despite all the civil rights marches and all the praying and all the voting, all the Democratic Party, uh, no voting, no fucking campaigns and all this other nonsense that you get caught up in. Despite the fact that you've done that, you have been loyally showing up at church. You have been loyally showing up to the civil rights marches. You have been loyally voting in every election. Your wealth is going down. And I can tell you, as a person who has studied finance for the last 30 years in extreme detail at the very highest levels, your wealth is going down because you don't see the bigger picture, you don't see the long-term view, and you don't understand the hard work necessary to own something. If you want to understand where wealth comes from, I want you to go back. Anybody who's watching, any celebrity, any athlete, I want you to go back and I need you to go study how the NFL was created 100 years ago, how the Chicago Bears were purchased for like 200 bucks, and they're now worth billions of dollars a couple of generations later. I want you to see how the Green Bay Packers were purchased, I think, for $25,000, and it's now a multi-billion dollar franchise just a few decades later. I need you to go study that and understand that the, the vision necessary to make that sacrifice so that you can actually have something that benefits more than just you and your personal bank account. Because again, if all you're doing is going for the fast, quick money, 
oh, they got the white man got that all day. He can easily he'll he'll, he'll easily buy. Uh, you can you can trick a short sighted person, narrow minded, short sighted person out of their money very easily. That's how they got your ass on gentrification. That's how they got you on gentrification. They own your whole damn hood. You walking around your hood, you like, man, I grew up in these projects, and it wasn't no white folks around here, man. We, it was dope dealers and pimps and, and thugs, and, and now, man, now we got a damn uh, Whole Foods and a dog park and a Starbucks and little white women walking their little poodles through the neighborhood. What the hell is this, man? Man, y'all did us wrong. Y'all did us wrong. No, nah, bro, you own that whole hood. You could have bought those houses for a few hundred bucks because nobody wanted to live there. You, But the problem was you were trained to want to leave and go out to the suburbs. You abandoned the hood. You mad because they're, they came to your house. You're the spoiled little eight-year-old who's mad because another kid, a poor kid, came to your house and started playing with the toys that you don't play with no more. And you saw him playing with your toy and you got mad like he took your toy. You didn't want the damn toy. You know, you 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 mad because he's he want he thought your woman was the most beautiful woman in the world and you neglected her, you abandoned her, you left her on the side. And now when somebody walks up and they notice how sexy your woman can be and they will love her up and they want to be with her, you're jealous and you like, man, these hoes ain't loyal. These hoes ain't loyal. No, you weren't loyal. You weren't loyal because because you were looking for the bright, shiny object when you had the gold buried right in your backyard. You have a community, you have neighborhoods all across this country where we could have easily come together with a long-term view and bought property for dirt cheap. And you didn't do it. And so when white folks come in and they buy that same property and they build it up and make it into what they want to see it become, you're, you're mad because you feel like they tricked you. They didn't trick you. You just, you just wasn't paying attention when people like me were talking. You didn't listen. Kenny Gamble, they didn't trick him. Kenny Gamble out of Philadelphia was the entertainer who was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's written, him and Gamble and Huff have written uh, so many songs. They're, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When Kenny first got his money, Kenny went to a Jewish guy and said, what do I do with money? How do I manage money? His friends went out and bought Cadillacs and fur coats. It was making it rain at the club. Kenny went to the old Jewish man and said, how do I, what do I do with money? How do I, how do I manage money? And the man showed him what to do with his money. And then, you know what, you know what Kenny did? Kenny went to his neighborhood where nobody wanted to live. And he bought as many houses as he could. He bought every house he could get his hands on and, and he just owned the property. And then he started helping with the cleanup of that community. He started dealing with the elements in the community that weren't good for the community, that made the community unsafe. And then years later, Kenny Gamble, now as a result of this, a generation, less than a generation later, Kenny Gamble is one of the biggest property owners in all of Philadelphia. Kenny Gamble owns some of the most prime real estate that you can have in the city of Philadelphia, and he owns a bunch of schools to go with it. Well, why did he do that? Well, because he had a long-term vision. He didn't follow along with the stereotypes. He wasn't just thinking about himself. He was willing to plant a seed. So, so, so the point that I would ask is this, 
when you're making your moves, and we're gonna go, we're going beyond Deion Sanders. We started talking about Deion. I don't want to make it just about Deion because I know how we are. We love our heroes, and people get mad if you say something. If you say that something a black celebrity does isn't right, that people get mad, like why are you hating and all this. I get it. You're trained to worship your celebrities. That's another reason why your wealth is dropping and why your community's failing is because I, I know these celebrities. Some of them are absolute dumbasses, but you love them because white folks put them on TV. That none of that impresses me. None of that impresses me. But I get it. But here's the thing. For those of you that are actually hearing some of this, what I want you to really ask yourself in your life, the most important decision or the most important question you can ask yourself is what seeds am I planting? What seeds am I planting? People who plant seeds, they get a harvest later on. People, Somebody planted a seed to start this league called the NFL 100 years ago. Their harvest is a bunch of teams that are worth billions and billions of dollars. That's their harvest. Their harvest was a couple of generations later. Many of those people that planted the seed, I think all of them are probably dead by now. But their children and grandchildren, they own family franchises that are worth billions of dollars. They could go buy, they could go buy a million Negroes for the amount of money that they have. Because y'all always up for sale and you sell yourselves now. White folks used to sell you. Now you sell yourselves and you sell each other. So the question is, what seeds are you planting right now? You know, all these athletes, all these entertainers that, that allegedly have all this influence and brag about how much money they have. What are you what what seeds are you planting? Um, and I can tell you, you have a long way to go because I'm really, really fascinated when I see some of these entertainers that will make 10, 20 million dollars in a year and will go spend three million dollars on some jewelry and a couple cars and a fashion show in Paris or whatever. They, they'll they'll literally spend money on things that have no investment value whatsoever to the people that they claim to care about, the people that made them into who they are, the community that they're from. So I would encourage you to, to grow out of that and, 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 and don't let money be the number one driving factor behind every decision that you make. And don't let fast money become the number one driver. Because if, you, if you're always thinking about fast money, the white man's got all the fast money in the world. He can always trick you out of your destiny and your purpose. That's my two cents. Um, I wish Deion Sanders the very best. I, I think Deion's a great coach. I think Colorado is very blessed to have him. He they, he got they, they they now they now have ownership of one of the best assets in the black community. Uh, and just like hip hop, just like when hip hop left the South Bronx and white folks owned hip hop, uh, this is exactly to me a similar situation. Uh, I think that Deion should be an asset of the black community. I think that instead of him going to the places that he thinks are big time. I think that if you are big time, then why can't you be big time exactly where you are? If you're if you're really big time, I mean, if you're really good at what you do, like if you're really just the shit, then the shit ain't got to go chasing down the bigger shit. The shit ain't got to go. You ain't got to go chasing down other people trying to be next to them to prove that you the shit. No, you 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 can sit right where you are, you know, and get the best players build up a, a massive business infrastructure that attracts millions of dollars every year. You can uh, you you can shine so hard that eventually everybody is attracted to you. You know, so so I don't really I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I think uh, in terms of Dion being that dude and being primetime and everything else, I'm, I'm going to question that a little bit because there's no reason if you take away the money, there's absolutely no reason why anyone would ever go coach at the University of Colorado. They are a terrible football team. Their record, they have not, they've only had, I think, two winning seasons in the last 20 years. Who in the hell would want to go connect to a big white loser when you are connected to one of the greatest black winners uh, in, in, the, in the history of HBCU sports? 
Like I, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, I'm not saying I hate on them for it. I understand there's money and stuff, and but the question is like, is that all that there is? Like, is money the only thing that they have to offer you to get you to abandon everything that's wonderful and beautiful in your life? I mean, you know, and 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 you're already supposed to be rich. Money is supposed to liberate you. Money is supposed to get you having money is supposed to get you to the point where you don't have to make decisions just because of the money. I get it. If a poor man says, man, you know, I was only making 300,000. Now I'm gonna make 5 million. This is my big opportunity. I get it. If a poor man says that I get that, but I don't understand it when a rich man says that. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if y'all get what I'm saying. I hope I can say this and still be low. Cause I know people get mad, you know, cause they, they got their heroes and people just, you know, call you a hater or whatever. Those are not the people I'm talking to. I like to talk to black folks that want to be intelligent and understand the nuances of multidimensional thinking. I want you to realize that there's, there's more to it than the money. Right. So so the rich man is like, well, of course, I'm making more money. So, of course, I'm going to go over here. I'm like, well, what's I don't understand that, you know, uh, because I can tell you what I could go to Elon Musk or Bill Gates or something. And I could say, well, you can have two million if you go over here or you can have eight million if you go over there. That that that's not going to shape their decision making process necessarily. They're going to say, I have enough money now. I have enough money. That money is not my motivator anymore. I need something other than the money. Okay. And that that's the point that that's a little bit confusing to me. Um, but, you know, but then again, you know, I understand. I know I'm in the minority. I know that everybody isn't going to get it. I'm really talking to the people that do and that at least are ready to hear a, a, another way of looking at things, because just understand that the way you've done things economically to this point as a community have absolutely failed. You have not. Your wealth is not going up, black people. Your wealth is actually going down. And the reason it's going down is because you're thinking about these decisions in all the wrong ways. So when you're making your decisions, don't just let money be the number one driving factor. Or if it is money, remember, there's a difference between short money and long money. Uh, so 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 you don't have to abandon money. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be broke in order to be uh, committed. Maybe you just have to have a little vision. There's 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 long term benefits to planting seeds and, and doing the hard work necessary to develop an infrastructure where there is none. I'll give you one last example that'll help you understand this. This is where, this is a touchdown that white folks had that I think you can learn from. Uh, hit the thumbs up button, by the way, if you haven't done it, hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe, all that stuff, uh, and hit the notification bell. In the 1950s, there weren't a lot of entrepreneurs like there are now. There weren't a lot of startups in the 1950s like there are now, tech startups and all that. That that culture wasn't there yet. But there were some guys, some engineers in New York that were working for these big corporations and they didn't want to work for these companies anymore. They didn't like the insecurity of losing their jobs and all that. So they agreed that they would um, start a business, a tech company out in California. And uh, they all made the agreement over a lunch where they signed the agreement on a napkin. They literally signed this agreement on a napkin. And they said, well, where are we going to start our tech company? Uh, well, they said, we can go out to California there's this place where uh, near Stanford University that has a bunch of orange groves and, and the property is really, really cheap because nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to base their company there. Well, so so they went and they they set up shop and they set up near Stanford so they could pull the best students out of, out of Stanford University to recruit them to work for their companies. And this area, and then eventually when they became successful, other businesses started coming. And the worth of that property started to rise because everybody wanted to be there. Do you know what that orange grove with that worthless property is called today? 
Can anybody guess what that what that property that that worthless property they went to that abandoned space they went to is called now? It's called Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is responsible for producing, I think, the majority of America's wealth in the last 40 years. Silicon Valley is now a place that is so expensive that even if you make a quarter million dollars a year, you're not really even rich in Silicon Valley because there's so much wealth that comes to that place. So what they did was they did the 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 original prime time. They did some real prime shit. What they did was they said we're going to go to a place that nobody wants to be. And we're go- we're not going to New York where the wealth is already located. We're not going to Los Angeles where Hollywood is. We're going to go to this property where where everything's cheap and nobody wants to really work there. Nobody wants to build an office there and we're going to make it into something special and plant long-term seeds. As a result, they created some of the most valuable real estate on the entire planet, and they own it all. They own the property. They own the businesses. They own the technology. They own probably a trillion dollars in wealth or more, probably a two or three trillion dollars that literally they created out of thin air by believing in themselves and planting the seed and investing in themselves instead of trying to get up next to whatever somebody else got going on. That's what you probably could have had with the Negro Leagues. Invest in yourself. Invest in your own. You know, partner, sure. Partner with other people if you want to. That's fine. But don't underestimate the value of what you got. So when I see Jackson State, I see a gold mine, a possibility. I see billions in wealth there. I see this this land, this fertile soil that this this sort of untouched to some extent where you could create something that is magnificent. You God is sending you all the signs to say there's wealth here. Wealth, you got to just dig a little bit. Be patient. Stay. Stick around. Plant some seeds, man. Your your oil, your oil is in the ground. Just keep drilling, keep drilling, keep drilling. But we don't drill deep enough. We don't go deep. We don't go deep and we don't go long. We 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 look for the next bright, shiny thing. What what the white man got going on? I want to be, I want to be, oh he got he got something over here. I want to be part. No, man. The problem, the real wealth, real wealth in this country comes from. The, one of the most valuable assets you'll ever own. It's, it's an asset called time. And when you invest time into something, like raising that newborn baby that you fed every single day and for literally for 10, 15 years, you didn't think you had a whole lot because <laughs> he was little. And then he grows up and becomes LeBron James or something, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, like that's what wealth is. Wealth is like raising a newborn baby that looks tiny. And you're like, this baby can't be an NBA player. You look at him. He's only He only weighs eight pounds. Like, what is this? Right? But you have to have vision. And the vision is what pushes you to plant the seed and invest the time. So a, a smart parent is like, yeah, he's little now and, it, you know, it, he can't read or write or do anything now. But if we nurture him and we feed him and we pour into him and we if, if, whatever, if we do this over 20 or 30 years, then we're really going to have something. That's business is the same way. Wealth is the same way. You got a million seeds in the black community that could become multi-billion dollar assets for your people. 
But unfortunately, nobody ever taught you the importance of pouring in the time, planting the seed. When the NFL first started, the collective value of all the NFL teams put together was probably about $2,000. But there were people who saw the vision, who planted the seeds and took the time. A couple generations later, you've got a $100 billion worth of wealth. That's where wealth comes from, Black people, and I need y'all to understand that. That's all I got to say. If you could, hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Share, subscribe if you haven't done it yet. Also, the Love and Money Masterclass I'm teaching with my wife starts tomorrow. If you'd like to join us, you can get a discount to join us at voicewalkins.com. As you guys know, in the Black Business School, we've created the first ever Black Financial Therapy Department because my wife, her doctorate is in social work and she's a licensed therapist. My doctorate's in finance, so we realized that uh, by doing this, we could work with the best thinkers to create a black think tank that allows us to break past the psychological barriers that keep us from building wealth in our community. Uh, so we're really excited about this. This is 100% black owned. Uh, we support only black owned schools. We gave money to King Randall School because it's black owned and they're doing th really great things. We gave money to uh, Freedom Home Academy International. So we, we, we just believe black people should be educating black people. So if you'd like to join us uh, for this masterclass on money and relationships, uh, feel free to go to boycewalkins.com. Also, we're doing a, a Black Wall Street intensive uh, taught by Cody Ransom that starts on December 6th. Cody is uh, an expert on Black Wall Street. Uh, there are so many things that you never will learn in public school or anywhere else about Black Wall Street. None of the documentaries have covered these things. Cody knows all of this. He knows where all the bones are buried on Black Wall Street. So uh, if you're interested in that topic, I encourage you to bring your family. We believe education needs to be a family process. So you can also go to boycewalkins.com if you'd like to join the Black Wall Street Masterclass as well. So uh, anyway, guys, have a wonderful day. God bless you. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. I love you. And uh, to Coach Prime, I wish you the very best in Colorado. Uh, I, I wish you were staying in Jackson State. I'm sure you have your own reasons for doing this. But I'm going to just tell you, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I kind of I kind of would have loved to see what happened if you maybe invested a, a decade or so um, in the HBCUs, because I think that what you were doing was extraordinary. Uh, but but I'm sure whoever comes behind him will, will, will do a great job, too. So take care, guys. Have a good day. And um, oh, and, and one more thing I forgot to mention to you guys. Some of you were asking about this. Uh, the URL for the financial flashcards that we, we created for kids. You can feel free to go to financialflashcards.com. Uh, that's the URL on the screen. So feel free to go take a look at that. They make great gifts for Christmas and stuff like that. Uh, we believe economic intelligence should be a top priority for our people. So uh, if you'd like to implement that in your household, uh, then remember, you're the teacher. You're, you're the primary teacher of your children. Uh, just go to financialflashcards.com. So take care, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I love you, and I'll see you soon. Be good. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.